Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 38 of the Overcoming Monday podcast. Um, today's title of the, of the podcast is Using Mistakes to Give Others Faith. And I have my friend Shauna Asbell here with me today because I think she tells her story well as far as this is concerned. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Shari. Hey, yeah. everyone. Yeah, so Shauna and I have been studying the Book of Ruth uh, for the last semester and I thought, what better person to come in here than a really good friend of mine who's been studying this book with me so that we can talk about this with you guys. Um, but this is the third season, um, third episode in our season of Ruth. And this episode actually focuses on um, why Boaz, a prominent and influential Jewish man, was able to see his own strength of character in Ruth, um, who was an immigrant, childless widow, um, basically from a very poor socioeconomic status. So why did he notice her in the fields and why did he take such great action with her? So Sean is here with me today to talk about how we don't have to be ashamed of who we are, even the most shameful parts of our story. And I think that she can probably resonate with um, Ruth in that way because probably Ruth felt like that with Boaz just a little yeah, bit. For sure. Um, I, I think that... Uh, so many of us have stories maybe we want to cover up or maybe we feel ashamed to tell, but time after time after time, biblically, people shared these hard stories. Mm-hmm. So Shauna and I are going to start today by telling a little bit of the backstory of Boaz and Ruth, and then we'll go into some practical application. So let's read from Ruth 2, 5 through 18. Ruth asked his servant, who was in charge of the harvesters, whose young woman is this? The servant answered, she is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She asked, will you let me gather fallen grain from among the bundles behind the harvesters? She came and she's been on her feet since early morning, except that she rested a little in the shelter. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, don't go and gather grain in another field and don't leave this one, but stay here close to my female servants. See what field they are harvesting and follow them. Haven't I ordered all the young men not to touch you? When you're thirsty, go and drink from the jars the young men have filled. She fell face down, bowed to the ground and said, why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I'm a foreigner? Boaz answered her, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death has been fully reported to me, how you left your father and mother and your native land and how you came to a people you didn't previously know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done and may you receive a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. My Lord, she said, I have favor I have found favor with you, for you have comforted and encouraged your servant, although I am not like one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz told her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the vinegar sauce. So she sat beside the harvesters and offered her roasted grain. She ate and was satisfied and had some left over. 
When she got up to gather grain, Boaz ordered his young men, let her even gather grain among the bundles and don't humiliate her. Pull out some of the stalks from the bundles for her and leave them for her to gather. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gathered the grain in the field until evening. She beat it out what she had gathered, and it was about 26 quarts of barley. She picked up the grain and went into town where her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over from the meal and gave it to her. So, Shauna, this is such a powerful moment because Ruth, I'm sure, is terrified. Yeah. Um, she is a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a single woman going into a field. Now, we don't probably understand how dangerous this was in our culture. Right. Because um, she's single. She's alone. She's going into a field with other people who are poor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, in that time, it was very dangerous for young women to be in this position. She was vulnerable. Mm-hmm. She was, um, you know, she didn't have any protector over her. Mm-hmm anybody watching over her and, and she was, um, just doing this to survive so that she would have food. Um, and I think the way that Boaz reacted is beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. so much more than there's so much more to the story than I'd ever imagined reading it. Um, just reading over it. Right. And what I notice is when he asks his workers, who is this girl? They're not like, oh, she's hot. She's from whatever, you know right. what I mean? That's absolutely um, right. Because I think sometimes when we maybe Americanize bi- biblical stories, we want to turn it into like a princess and fairy tale right. story, or we want to turn it into a modern day, like pickup story. And right. that's not what this is at all. Not um, at all. We've already talked about a little bit about how Ruth gave up everything for Naomi. So she's certainly not going to go into the field and like wear seductive clothing and like yeah. hope that some guy's going to pick her up so that they have hope. She's out there to work. Yeah. She's out there saving her life, but also providing for Naomi. Mm-hmm. You know, she's covering Naomi so that Naomi, who is older and cannot go and you know, to the fields, provide for her and mm-hmm. take care of her. So it's much more about survival than it is to find a, a hookup. <laughs> yeah. And so when Boaz asks his workers, who is this woman? The things that he hears are, first of all, she's a foreigner. Yep. She's from another country. Um, and Jews were actually prejudiced toward people in um, Moab. Mm-hmm. Um, she also had the boldness to ask if she could work, which was probably very intimidating for her. I can't even imagine, you yep. know, for her to get up the courage to, you know, not only do what she's doing following the harvesters, but mm-hmm. ask permission. Like, yeah, it would, it's a, it's like a modern day um, person who may, is an immigrant Absolutely. who has nothing and is almost just going at the mercy of someone else saying, look, I can't find a job. Is there any way I could have the leftover food from your um, restaurant right. or something like that? Where can I work for leftover food since I can't get a job? I'm trying to think of something that would be equivalent, but that's yeah. very similar. Um, so she has the boldness to work um, with the harvesters um, she's been working the entire morning. This is what Boaz hears, except for one moment where she goes to rest. Yeah. So she's no joke. Like right? she is a hard worker, yep. determined. Yep. And, and then he, when Boaz hears this, he ends up inviting her in basically, you know, offers her protection, offers her food, offers her water, yeah. um, and says, don't go anywhere else. And she's, she falls on her face and she's like, why are you being so nice to me? You right. know? She knows she doesn't deserve that favor. Yes. Yeah. She 
there's no reason for him, for him to look at her and, and say, you know, you here have these things, do these things Find I find, you know, I have favor, um, for you on your life. I see you. Yeah. So good. And, and it's so funny. Cause when she asked him, he, she didn't hear him say, well, I just thought you were really beautiful and you look helpless. Absolutely he said, not. you've been working hard and I've noticed you and I've heard what you gave up. Yeah. So that I, means people have been talking. Yeah. They have been sharing her character, her story, know, her story. They've been talking about her and Naomi's return. That's right. Um, how much they've lost. That's right. And there's apparently like um, respect for her willingness to leave. Yeah. Um, so these are all such great things for Boaz to notice. Um, so there's another the, there's another interaction that happens later on. Um, basically, what happens is Ruth goes from here to taking all of this grain back to her mother-in-law, which is which is the equivalent of 29 pounds of grain on your back. Yeah, she literally can- mind blowing. <laughs> right. Like, there's no reason for her to bring that amount back. Right. Yeah. And when Naomi hears how kind that Boaz has been to Ruth. Mm. Naomi is like, I need to find out if he's a relative. And we'll talk about the reason for that. Basically, in that time, um, relatives were supposed to step in and take care of widows yes. whose husbands had died. And so Naomi finds out this information. We don't know how, but right. she finds out that Boaz is one of their next relatives. And so that's when she comes up with a plan and she says, Ruth, you need to go to him and basically propose um, because he's our hope, right? Like he's how we're going to get out of this situation. Yeah. Um, So let's take a little bit of the romance out of this again, because um, Boaz is Naomi's age, not Ruth's age. Right. So So he would be like her dad's age. Absolutely. So it's not this prince in shining armor coming in to rescue. It's Mm -hmm. this fatherly figure. And that's not to say that she didn't see him as a great man or maybe feel anything toward her, but her primary purpose was to take care of Naomi. Yep. And so, yeah, so she goes to the threshing floor um, and proposes to him, basically. And so in Ruth 8, 8 through 18, it says, at midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and there lying at his feet was a woman. And in the scripture, it has an exclamation mark. <laughs> so he asked, who are you? Because obviously, I guess he couldn't see her. And she said, I am Ruth, your servant. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. And then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness now than before, because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do whatever you say, since all the people in town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I am a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning. If he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He wanted to protect her reputation. Mm -hmm. And he told Ruth, bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl and then went into town. She went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, what happened, my daughter? 
basically, did he say yes? <laughs> um, then Ruth told her everything that he had done for her. And she said, he gave me these six measures of barley because he said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, my daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. So there's two things that I notice here, Shauna. First is that um, Ruth makes her big, bold uh, move of Boaz. Basically, when she asks him to marry her, I'm sure she's scared to death. Absolutely. I mean, she's moved beyond fear, I mm-hmm. think, to courage because it is not for her. Mm-hmm. She's not doing this to secure her future. Mm-hmm. So it's a very selfless act. Upon reading it, the the first, I mean, however many times I've read it, I didn't see that. I didn't see that this wasn't just for protection of her future. Mm-hmm. It was to primarily for Naomi, really, and for Elimelech, which is so self-sacrificial. Mm-hmm. Um, but Boaz, I love what he says. He says um, he commends her for not pursuing other younger men. Absolutely. Like um, her character is to work for life for Naomi. Right. You know? And her death, like if she had been a desperate young woman who showed up into town, she could have just tried to find any man. Absolutely. Um, But instead, she goes to work to take care of her mother-in-law. And then the second thing that he says, which I love, is do not be afraid. Yeah, calm those fears. Uh, You know, I'm not going to expose you. I'm not going to throw you out. I'm not... I don't want harm for you. I want right. good for you. And I'm, I mean, he's a prominent man that has so much influence, and she's a foreigner. Yeah, she's no one. Literally he, no one. Yeah, new here. Um, so in verse 11, I want to look at this a little bit closer. It says, now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my now, town know that you're a woman of noble character. And what I love about this phrase, noble character, um, is it's the same phrase that if you rewind it, it says that Boaz was a man of valor. Mm -hmm. It's the same word for her, but in a feminine form. So basically it's kind of like he's saying, I'm looking at a mirror right now and I see my qualities in you. Yeah. So he is noticing not her beauty, but he's noticing what is inside of her Mm -hmm. um, and how she has chosen. I think in that moment, maybe um, even though Christ has yet to be on the scene, I think he's noticing the God in her, mm-hmm. you know, that he has in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is such a beautiful picture um, to me because basically a prominent Jewish man is telling a foreign woman who feels powerless and subject to his mercy that she is the equivalent in valor. That's what this is what Carolyn Custis James says in her book. This is an actual quote. She says, can you imagine how this statement impacted Ruth? So we're going to talk about that in the next part of this um, podcast. Um, Shauna, we're going to bring in your story a little bit, but first we're going to go to a short break. Crossroads Summer Camp has been providing an exceptional summer camp experience to students and their leaders since 1996. Held in Anderson, South Carolina, Crossroads aims not only to be the most fun week of the summer, but our primary goal is to create an environment for each camper to be seen, known, and have a life-changing encounter with God. We bring in dynamic speakers, including Clayton and Shari, great worship leaders, and a huge selection of activities for any teenager in your student ministry. We have a few weeks with space available for 2019, so head to CrossroadsSummerCamp.com to learn more and register your group. See you this summer. 
Also, if you're looking for more encouraging content, head over to shariking.com slash blog to find new articles each week from Shari. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Overcoming Monday, please share it with your friends. Shauna, you and I have been so excited about so much we've been learning from the book of Ruth. My eyes have been opened in a new way by studying this. Yeah. Um, when you dissect the scriptures, there's so much more. And when you study the history of the time, it literally opens your mind and your heart to things um, that just almost blow your mind. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, it has. that This mm-hmm. whole Ruth study is just... I mean, forever changed the mm-hmm. way I think about things. I'm actually, you know, in seminary right now. And one of the articles that I had to read yesterday was talking about one of the weaknesses of the American culture is that we read the Bible on, on our terms. Absolutely. And we don't understand that it's a full story about God and stories about people who lived in a time that wasn't like ours. Right. And so it takes work to actually understand who they are, why the author wrote the book to the people who are receiving it, or why the book was written by that author and what his intention was. Right. And some of the verses we actually take out of context just simply because we don't do the research of the background to understand the why. Um, so, for instance, I mean, I'm sh- this is kind of off subject, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're, right. We put that on the back of like a, a T-shirt that we're going to go play on a sports team. Right. But Paul is actually talking about the fact that he's learned mm-hmm. how to live in hard circumstances and wealthy circumstances, whether he's in prison or whether he's not, whether he's preaching the gospel and traveling around or whether he's in prison and only the only audience he has is a jailer. He's learned how to do what God's called him to do in all of those different circumstances. Absolutely. And so it's not about winning a game. Right. No, it's much more about life and and what God has given you. Mm-hmm. And you find your contentment in the Lord. And you really can do, you can go to prison mm-hmm. and handle it. Yes. Those types of circumstances. You yeah. can do all things, those things. And I think the message behind it was more, he's learned it. Yes. It wasn't like... God just empowered, zapped him with the power to do it. It was, I went through this hard time and God helped me figure out how to do this. The process of sanctification. Yes. Getting closer to the heart of Jesus. Which I think is the same exact story of Ruth. Absolutely. The concept of basically my mother-in-law has lost all this stuff. I've lost everything. She's lost everything. I'm going to stand beside her. We're going to go somewhere where I don't know anyone and I'm going to have to figure out how to do all things. Right. <laughs> you know, how yes. to go out there and see how, how through my action, God can provide for us. Yeah. And I'm going to choose God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose him um, instead of, you know, where in Moab, mm-hmm. they didn't serve that God. So she chose to follow this God mm-hmm. and in all those circumstances, whatever that whatever that might be. Right. And I think that alone shows a lot about her character because... In a time when Naomi felt like God hated her, Ruth decided she was going to choose for the God Yahweh to be her God. It's so counter to what you think yeah. anybody would. She, she saw she you know she saw Naomi suffer this and go through all this, and then she's like, and and Naomi was like, God hates me, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm going to choose your God. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But how many of us uh, lure people into choosing Jesus because of heaven? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Instead right. of saying. 
um, yeah, I, God's real, I think, but right now I feel like he hates me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, ah. that's not really right. a good selling point, right, right? For God. That's right. Um, but that's when Ruth chose him. So, um, why do you think that Boaz, this is one question that we talked about a lot and I love, but why do you think Boaz was able to see Ruth's inner character? Well, I think this goes back to knowing the history mm-hmm. and, um, you shared in our study about Rahab and I had not correlated that. I had not put that connection together, but you shared her story, mm-hmm. um, and that she literally time after time after time in the Bible is said Rahab, the prostitute. Mm-hmm. And that is like how she is named in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, but then in Joshua too, it talks about her story and how mm-hmm. she also at some point decided and saw the works of God and said, okay, I'm choosing that God. Mm-hmm. And, and her um, life shifted. Well, in this discussion, I was, you know, you were talking about her story and I, I just kept thinking and, and being reminded at some point, Rahab had to share her story mm-hmm. so that the masses, I mean, it's in the Bible. I mean, several locations in the Bible, Rahab the prostitute. So she shared her story to the point that it was put in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So why would she not share the story with her son, Boaz? Right. So Rahab was um, the person in Canaan who the spies went and they found her and she hid them so that the Israelites could come in and conquer the land. Absolutely. Um, and so that was a huge, huge step of faith for her because she could have been killed. Um, Absolutely. She took a risk. And the reason why she took the risk was because she heard about the God of the Israelites who had been saved from Egypt. Yes. It was all word of mouth. Right. And she chose to believe. Yes. And she chose to believe in this God that actually she was a little bit afraid of. Yeah. Um, if, if I don't support this army or believe in this God, this God can do powerful things. What will happen to me as yeah. well? So it was a little bit of maybe self-preservation. Absolutely. But she also defied her own king yes. who found out that she had hid the spies. Yeah. So her story is so powerful. And then she is rescued. She ends up living with um, the Israelites, becomes mm-hmm. a believer in God. And, um, and we don't, know that for sure. But usually, so what would happen is the Israelites would offer people the ability to come in and be part of their community if mm-hmm. they were going to worship the God of Yahweh. Right. Um, if they did not worship the God of Yahweh, they weren't welcome right. in. So she ends up staying with the Israelites. And later on down the road, we have this guy named Boaz, and he is her son. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy that he is a man of valor. Mm-hmm. Like, the way he is described, but where he came from is not that. Right. So at some point, I just have to assume Rahab said generationally, I'm going to change. I'm going to tell him my story so mm-hmm. that he knows, so that, you know, he, he knows what I did, but then he, he knows when that shift came that I said, no, that, that was a former life. And now I choose to follow Yahweh. I choose yeah. to follow the God of Israel. Yeah. Um, so, so today yeah. we're saying basically, um, because we know Rahab's story, then probably she told her story. Yes. Which means that her son heard her story. Yes. Which means that her son was possibly able to look at someone who was a foreigner and had nothing to offer him and say, she has value. Yes. Because he was able to see that his mother had value to God. 
Absolutely. Um, even though she was a prostitute and probably felt like a right reject at some point in her life, you have this woman named Ruth of great character and Boaz looks out and says, I see you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's not hidden because of, I, I believe because of Rahab's story, because she had courage to share mm-hmm. what she had walked and what she had lived out and that the, the Lord saw her and protected her because she was a friend to Israel mm-hmm. and she protected the Israel, you know, the spies that came to scope out the land, you know? Right. And a mom has so much influence on their children. So much. So as we were talking about Rahab's influence in Boaz's life, I actually have asked, I asked you a question one time about your story and how much courage I think that it took you to share with your kids and how have you shared, you know, first of all, what part of your story do you want to share with us today? And then second of all, when you have a story that could be, quote, shameful, right? how do you tell the people who you love the most that so that they can learn and not because I know it can be fearful. Yeah. Uh, Will they use it against me? Absolutely. Or will they use it to like, will it further them in their faith? And so I think that's the question that. So first, what would you like to share with us today? And second of all, how have you used your story to help your kids and the people around you um, further their faith? Yeah. So my story, um, I mean, the part that I feel like the Lord has called me to share here is um, because I have teenage kids, my teenage story um, through my mid twenties. And so that was a very messy season of my life. I um, was at the age of 15 raped by a um, football player at school. And um, that was just a, a thing I walked through. And um, then the actions after that led me to be super rebellious, um, but also not just rebellious, but um, fight out in anger and towards the male species, basically, mm-hmm. you know, use them and abuse them like they had me. Mm-hmm. And so it was just very messy guy after guy um, to the point that at one point I thought people get paid to do what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that was at a moment where the Lord was like, well, you know, what what's happening in your life? Because I, di- I mean, I did have a relationship with the Lord. I just was running mm-hmm. hard and, because I was so angry mm-hmm. and so hurt. And so um, brought all that into marriage and, after my first two kids were born, um, some hard things in marriage led to, okay, well, no man is perfect. And mm-hmm. I was very disappointed in that, that I thought this man that I married, and he is a great man, but he is not perfect and he is not my God. And I elevated him to that status. Mm-hmm. And so when that all crumbled, then I had no choice but to say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender. Um, and I'm going to look to you for you know, my value and who I am and um, no one else can give me identity, but you can. And so um, as my children grew, I knew at some point I would share this story with them, you know, fearful. I felt felt the rise of um, how do I do this? How do I do it well? And and one of the, the most important things that I think I have learned is that sharing your story should be out of healing and not when the, you're in the midst of dealing with it all. Mm-hmm. And also when the Lord prompts you. I mean, they're when they're little, they don't... They need to know everything. There may be... Yeah. It might be a progressive thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So sharing tidbits of... Um, 
nuggets that you've learned or pieces of wisdom that you've gained from the things that you've been through. I think that's very important, even when they're little. But as they get older, I think details are important. And so um, I have a 16-year-old and a Mm 15-year-old. And um, in this season, you know, we're talking about dating and girls and boys and likes and all the things. Um, And I just felt the Lord had called me to share some really hard things, specifically with my 15-year-old daughter. Mm. Um, And so I just remember... I wasn't, I think maybe this happened with Ruth. Um, at some point, she just had to let fear fall. Mm. And because of the kindness that she was, you know, um, giving from the Lord, it wasn't of herself. It was the kindness that led her to ask those hard things and to move in those hard things. And I feel like that is exactly why I I had to share this story with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um of where I had been and what it led to and how the Lord, you know, showed me where my identity is, who I'm called to be. Um, and it, you know, and the healing and forgiveness from my past. Mm -hmm. So, um, I I think when you have no other choice, no other option, Mm -hmm. but to find your identity in Christ. And then when he calls you to share that information, with whoever, yeah, maybe it is your children, which you know, yeah, can be hard. Well, and I think you have to use discernment for sure because Absolutely. you have some great kids, and so I think that how much you share is important. But I think when you share is important. Yes, and I think that you don't necessarily have to share everything. That's exactly. I agree completely. Like, yeah. what part of your story is God calling you to share? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's everything. Yeah, for sure. Some, and I, that is going to be up to you. You know, yeah. and if you do feel like a child might use it against you. It may not be the best time to tell them. Absolutely. Um, but I, but I think that there can be a time where you're, um, when you're able to. Yeah. And I think that it's important to be real people to our kids yeah. so that we can say, yes, I made mistakes too. Yeah. Um, so I can forgive your mistakes, but I also don't want you to go where I went, please. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, absolutely. And, and the- we can't control them. Yes. But we can hope. Yes. And and for them to have understanding, for me, it was more about I walked through this and I have been able to forgive. So I need you to understand what happens to you or what you do doesn't define mm-hmm. who you are, you know? And so my, my intent in sharing this with my daughter was, yeah, that that person existed and it was really ugly and it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think the specific question she asked was like, did you and dad live together? Mm-hmm. And I was like deep breath, you know, okay, here we go. And so when your kids ask you those questions, I think it's very important that you share the truth, that you're honest with them. Like you said, you know, let the Lord lead you in how much you share. Mm -hmm. But I think we shouldn't shy away from, the Bible doesn't shy away from Mm -hmm. hard things, you Mm -hmm. know? And because of that, we have hope, you know? And Mm -hmm. we know that it's not because of us that we have salvation. Right. And I think that what's so neat is typically, you know, if you had a son of someone who had been a prostitute, they're not probably going to have a great view of women right? overall. Um, and they may become that man, right? you know, that Absolutely. isn't respectful of women. Right. But you don't see that in Boaz's story. And so I believe that mm-hmm. Rahab was redeemed yes. um, from that story. And Boaz knew about it, and he was able to see women in a different light 
because of God and because of faith and because of his culture and even become a successful, respected man yeah. in that culture. Yeah. I mean, there's a paradigm shift where she goes from Rahab to prostitute to basically a heroine in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I think probably her story, I mean, I can only imagine, but her story was told from that place of healing right. and that place of redemption. Yeah. Because she's listed in Hebrews 11, correct? Yeah. Of the faithful people. Um so I wanted to ask you this question. Have you ever experienced in your life a time where someone showed you kindness, kind of like Boaz, um, where you felt like you were the receiver of kindness and you thought, I don't deserve this. Why? You know, almost that scene of Ruth saying, why have you noticed me? Yes. Or why are you pouring into me? Absolutely. So yeah, I was thinking that question when I was looking through or thinking through it, um, kind of stumped me a little bit and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, Lord, mm-hmm. help me recall. But um and he did. He's so faithful. But I was thinking through like friends who have pushed me um, to share my story when I when I um, was feeling like I don't know, mm-hmm. um, or friends who have pushed me to um, heal in mm-hmm. seasons when they're seeing things that are not healthy and push me to heal, um, and all for my good. So I think. When, when Boaz is pouring out to Ruth, it's all for her good. And so um, when we put it in our context, it might look a little different. You know, I'm not getting barley and that sort of thing. But I have having friends speak into my life like, I see this hurt and it's, you know, not, it's not fruitful. It's not heal. You're not moving past it. So why don't you work towards healing? You know, mm-hmm. why don't you go get the help? I also have an amazing husband who mm-hmm. didn't know half my story when he married me and has been part of this healing journey with me. And he hasn't left. He hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't uh, pushed me away. I mean, he has been Jesus in those circumstances where um, he's he's brought me in instead of pushed me out. And mm-hmm. so that's been super powerful. Um, yeah, we. I know I had a story similar with Clayton when I was younger, and we first met, and I knew at this point that I was almost going to have to put my past in front of him and just see if he would hop over it, you know, and, and join me in this journey that I was on in discovering who I was and how God was going to love me through things that had happened to me. So in my past, I've experienced abuse. And when Clay and I first met, I thought for sure he was going to reject me because I didn't seem like ministry wife material. Um, or I didn't feel like I did. I felt like I carried a lot of shame um, or maybe felt used or not right. good enough. Mm-hmm. And so when I told him my story, uh, the words that he said to me, I felt like I was on cloud nine at the moment. Mm. Um, but he just said, you know, basically now that I know where you've come from, you're more beautiful than you were wow. um, before you told me because I see everything that God's done in your life. Um, but even yesterday, Um, Clayton and I had a long discussion, tears with both of us, just talking about, um, I was talking about regret at not wishing that I'd had more courage 20 years ago, um, to speak up for myself and to say some things that I felt and dreams that I had and desires that I had, but I just wasn't strong enough and he was so confident. And so I think that we were just in two different places and, and I'm, I think we're expressing to him, um, regret and I don't really know what the emotion is, but just wishing that I had been the person I am today then. Yeah. And I, and I couldn't have been right. Um, but I think that sometimes we can look back and wish and feel like 
Maybe we'd wish we had more courage. And I think that Ruth has a message that yeah. a lot of people can look to and say, look, she gave up a lot. Yeah. Um, she was willing to give up a lot. And God met her with so much kindness. Yeah. And even Naomi, I'm like, mm-hmm. Ruth is pouring kindness into Naomi. Boaz sees Ruth. Yep. And he says, I'm pouring kindness into you. Yep. And God sees them doing it. And he says, look, it's all going to be restored. Yeah. And and he just does a wonderful work, but he used his children to do it. Absolutely. So as you were talking through that, my mind was going to, um, not only did Ruth use her voice, but um, Boaz used his voice because mm-hmm. he spoke protection over her um, and you know went to, to bat for her when mm-hmm. he didn't have to. And Naomi used her voice by saying, I found some information out and here's what I want you to do and gave her a plan. And um, and then Ruth executed the plan. So they all used their voice. And I think that it is so important for us to remember that our voice matters. Yeah, that's so good. Shauna, is there anything else that, or a verse or anything that you'd like to share with a final thought today? Yeah, so I would love to read um, Psalms 5. And the verse is at the very end of the chapter. It says, um, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love you, your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. And I just, you know, as we think about telling our, our stories, the way the Lord um, shows his favor through Boaz. I really believe that's such a picture of our father. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole story, I believe, is a picture of the goodness of the father. Um, spread your protection over um, Ruth, but show your favor through Boaz, right? Mm-hmm. So um, anyways, I believe that when we're telling our story, that we need to be reminded that the Lord will protect what mm-hmm. he has called us to do. Yeah. And so um, obedience for sure, whatever parts he's called you to tell, tell. Um, make sure that you have a healing before you walk into that. He doesn't. I don't believe he calls us to share things that we're not healed from. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think those are would be my words of advice. Shauna, thank you so much for being here today. I know it took a lot of courage for you to share your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. So to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode 38 of Overcoming Monday, where we provide little secrets for your big breakthrough. In case you haven't heard, this podcast is a production of Clayton King Ministries. And if you have benefited from this podcast, I would absolutely love for you to share this on your social media platform and leave a super duper review on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks so much for your support. Our ministry hopes we've given you something to overcome your Monday. We're thankful you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. There are three ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at ClaytonKing.com slash give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at sharikeen.com. 
Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.